Hello. Hello. How are you? Well, I am great. If it isn't my arch nemesis, extreme exposition man, what are you doing here? Why, why would you call me a man who explains himself in every which way, a person uh, born 30 miles from where he lives today, 50 years later? Why would you call him extreme exposition man? Well, because, you know, that's, that's the, the kind of, of banter that we have here at Not Spiral, the Thought Spiral podcast recap podcast. Yes, and you are Dan Wade. And you are Wampus Reynolds. Yes. And, and you, gentle listener, are a very lucky person. And part of a very elite group. I, I elite being a euphemism for tiny. I, yes, the few, <laughs> the proud. Uh, and we are here to talk about episode or test show 310 of Thought Spiral. Is it really 310? It sure is. Well, I, I, I want to start off before we even get on the show, because I know Josh is listening. Uh, I, I, I think I speak for both of us when I say happy birthday, Josh. Happy birthday. I remembered. I remembered too. <laughs> we record this two weeks ahead of time. Yeah. So. Uh, yes. So this is part of the three weeks where Josh and I are the same age. So Wow. Yeah. So is, is yours before him or after? After. Okay, so I'm, that would, I'm like 11 that, months. That's the only way that's possible. 11 months and a week older than him, I think. Wow. Judging by the birthday talk. Why don't we, why don't we start with that? Yes. Everyone seemed to call Josh on his birthday except for one person. Yes, Andy Kindler. Andy Kindler couldn't be bothered. <laughs> yeah. Kind of missed it out. Um. <laughs> Uh, you would think by now he would he would know, but uh, but nope. And and even when it was brought up, all all, all he could talk about was uh, his anniversary. And, and and just like Josh, I associate Andy's wedding with the Sacramento Kings uh, getting robbed in the conference finals. Oh, is that what happened? Oh. Yes. Yes, everyone was at the bar watching the Lakers pull off a miracle against the lowly Kings. Oh, why everyone the, was uh, screaming during the wedding with the uh, officiating of Tim Donahue, the the corrupt ref who actually served jail time. What? Yeah, I, I did not know. Yeah, and it, it was the Kings Lakers that he really helped cook up. I think. Wow. And who is I that think, big eight ref that everyone hated? Oh, uh, oh shoot. Hightower. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Everyone yeah. hated Hightower. Yeah. Well, he was a bit theatrical. Um, I think his officiating wasn't the worst, 
There's there's a guy who uh, officiates a lot of OU games now. He's really bad, but uh, but High Tower, you know, he was there for the Billy Tubbs announcement to not throw things on the floor, no matter how terrible the officiating is. So <laughs> High Tower was there for that. So nice. <laughs> that was pretty impressive. Um, yeah, Andy did not remember the birthday. It seemed no. like a, a very low key birthday. That's what us olds have now are low key birthdays. So I I was surprised that Andy was surprised that Josh would cook on his birthday. Yeah. <laughs> because we all know that that's what Josh loves to do. He loves to just putz around in the kitchen and make something nice. And, you know, as he pointed out, his wife is British and falls under a lot of British stereotypes. Um, so, yeah, of course Josh is going to Now, speaking of Andy being unaware of things, how did he not know that uh, Allison's uh, father uh, was Indian? This, I did not know that either. Oh, I, I think it's been brought up before. Maybe it's been just obliquely then. But I, I think I knew it, so... But, you know, I'm the guy who's been on Jeopardy, so I remember things like that. So I did not. I did tryouts for the team tournament and didn't get past the first round. So that that's pretty much the same thing. I had to drive all the way to Mobile for that stupid tryout. Ten minutes later, and I was driving all the way back from Mobile. That's a pretty... uh... Long drive too, right? It's it's a it, it's a long bleak drive. Yes. Boo. Boo <laughs> bleak drives. What what was the the Rush Limbaugh pun that Josh had about his his father in law? Oh, that uh, the Dolly Limbaugh. Yes, the Dolly Limbaugh. Thank you. Because he has turned into a immigrant hating Trumper. Uh, that is a very common. Uh, thing for uh the indian uh population in in the united states i've found out they uh I, I, they're I, very right wing i remember when uh trump brought modi over uh to a, a rally in dallas and it was called howdy modi and it had a, a very strong uh anti-pakistan bent yeah so, well, you know, he's not going to appeal to a, a higher unity of people. You know, when you hear of people, uh, a group of people liking Trump, it's usually because uh, he said something terrible about someone they didn't like. So that that seems call me a, you know, a shocking, uh, you know, analyst. But I think that's how Trump does it. So. Mm. Fair enough. Um, um, uh, this this episode had a um, a classic thought spiral spat. Things got tense. They did, and Josh just uh, you know he lost his patience with uh, Andy's. Well, as as he said, Andy on two Adderall. 
that it just Andy was bouncing off the walls and Josh, uh, Josh just made it plain he wasn't caring for it. And, you know, it could have just ended there, but I, Andy is one of those people who does not see warning signs. <laughs> yeah. And he just kept pushing the issue and pushing the issue. And I don't know, part of me hates it when they fight, but part of me, it, it, it's like watching a car wreck. Yeah. But yeah, Josh, Josh was mad. Josh was mad. Um, hey, uh, time out real quick. Yeah. Give me 20 seconds. Me too. All right. Bye. And I'm back. 65 degrees at Hall of Fame Softball Stadium in beautiful Oklahoma City. Watching the... Now, my friend just texted, and he said, do they go by the Lady Sooners still? Absolutely not. I said that. But it's still, it's the Cowgirls. But I guess... Since I'll they have boys in, you know, because they have boy in the name, you have to acknowledge that, okay. I guess. So, okay. So, yeah, this uh, spat. It's, yeah, Josh uh, had things he wanted to talk about, and Andy could not talk about them. He just was not in the frame of mind where he could uh, sit and listen to about listen to uh, Josh explaining the things he's seen. It just—it it was not in a, a listening, uh, a, a listening frame of mind, and it made and me. Think, I'm sure that he's not going to even process that things were tense. No, nah, nah. next week he's going to be utterly oblivious to that. Well, it, it makes me happy that uh, Josh is going to go on a trip and yeah, good for do him. comedy and get applause and. Uh, yeah, kind of write his mind and <laughs> and take a little vacation. So I think it'll all work out. Uh, I don't know about you, but I thoroughly enjoy Andy's Stripogram song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. I did not expect the And Here Is My Penis. Yes. That's, that, that's not that his stuff. Yeah, it, it was really good. They did raise a, 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 an intriguing question that I think uh, is a good topic for group discussion when Andy asked, who is more romantic, Andy or Josh? Oh, you know, I don't want to think about it, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I would guess Andy is. I would, too. I he seems more yeah, the sentimental type. He, he seems sentimental. I, I do bet. I I. I believe Josh does a lot of considerate and thoughtful things for Allison, uh, including putting her music on this podcast. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think Andy is just a very devoted. I think devoted person. Um, exactly. Yeah, I was uh, about to strangle my radio. Do we even call it a radio? Yeah, let's call it that. When Andy continuously, six, seven times in a row, called Edward G. Robinson, Edward G. He was having a, a problem. He called uh, 
the character Michael J. Fox played on uh, Family Ties, Family Ties, Michael J. Keaton in that. Mm-hmm. That yeah, Edward G. I, I yeah, my note about that talk was uh, that his talking about this uh, movie, Brother Orchid. <laughs> yes, which is so damn. You know. And that's the amazing thing of TCM is because they'll bring up these movies no one remembers. <laughs> but it makes me think Andy could almost do an MST3K. It would be a, it wouldn't be, you know, witty asides and references. It would just be Andy going, "What? What?" <laughs> but it would still be entertaining. I would, I would watch that. Yeah. Um, yeah, bro- brother Orchid seemed like a. A pretty flimsy premise, and I guess I didn't realize that that you could put two gangsters in anything and make a certain amount of money. Yeah, um, it reminds me of uh, I guess it was "We're We're No Angels" was another Humphrey yeah. Bogart. Yeah, you know the and Sister Act, you know, kind of the. Oh, I, I was I was going to say nuns on the run, but I guess Sister nuns Act on is- the run. I went a little more Hollywood, but um, yeah, but like every black exploitation movie is, you know, a white gangster causes problems. You know, mm. gangsters, gangsters are a very uh, overused uh, Hollywood plot point. Fair enough. Um, I've got two lines of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't make strobe light of seizures. Uh-huh. That was excellent, Josh. And then also when he, when they were talking about the Lakers being swept, and uh, Andy sort of blamed himself, and he said, and Josh said, "You threw the team under the bandwagon." <laughs> that was nice. So <laughs> those were my lines of the week. Uh, my, mine it was very very early when they were talking about finding a replacement for the state of the industry, and Josh said, "You being replaced is the state of the industry." Oh, yeah. <laughs> very nice. That was very, yeah, very strong. I, I liked that, and I liked Josh's review of the movie Air, spelled E-R-R. Oh, brilliant. I, that's, uh, that's the kind of thing that I would get no response on stage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with a line like that. So I, I appreciate when a, a truly talented person can pull it off. Uh, the main thing from the second half I want to talk about uh, is uh, Josh mentioned the Smartless podcast uh, kind of doc series on Max, mm-hmm. and, and I've watched a couple of episodes, and <laughs> it is ludicrous that this podcast they're flying on a private jet, and you know, complaining about room service meals. And I I have to admit, I I was thrown off when he first described that because he talked about how it was Sean Hayes. I was like, oh, so this is like the follow-up to Hollywood Handbook. Well, I love those guys. I'm glad they're making it. (laughs) No, we're talking about Sean Hayes. And then then and Josh begged him to stop, but Andy's bizarre description of Will and Grace and (laughs) then idle thoughts on on homosexual couples 
Yes, uh, I, I have I have written here Andy and the gays. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Andy. <laughs> it was it was it was hard it was hard to listen to. Um my thoughts on the second half. First of all, the musical interlude. Uh, it is what it is, but I loved at the very end because Josh did that Elvis Costello scream. Oh, uh, which you, which he does it in like the end of uh, uh, Tokyo Storm Warning. That that really disturbing shriek that he can do. Um, Josh does a, a very faithful recreation of that. So that that brought me back to to my my high school days hearing that. Oh, good. Um, they talked about how they haven't heard from Yoshi in a while. And it reminded me of when people would call into the best show and say, whatever happened to Spike? Or whatever happened to Larry? And oh, yeah. Like, I don't control who calls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to read. I went to Twitter because I wanted to make sure that I, I recreated this. I'm going to read verbatim uh, Rapa's question. Okay. I think teeth slash gums get a bad rap for being the bad, the big ass sponge slash tongue stinks. Mouthwash is a racket. The nitric oxide high goes with a swish swish. Take it from the rapa, you need a tongue scraper. Do floss that. That and I, if 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 I were, if I were writing a screenplay with a, a deranged person writing their congressman, <laughs> I couldn't come up with something that good. This seems like uh, something like there would be a documentary on Greenwich Village and they they would say, oh, and then there was this one beat poet, you know, you know, wild man, Shermie. And, <laughs> and, and then they would read that. <laughs> and, every, and everyone snaps their fingers. Yep. Uh, they asked a question that, that you have actually answered uh, at great lengths before when they asked for for uh, their favorite punchline to a dirty joke. I seem to remember you doing a thread of those uh, in the past. Oh, yeah. Um, so that, that brought back memories of that. I, well, you know, I just did punchlines. I'm trying to remember. Right. And that's what they're asking uh, Yeah. For. I'm trying to think of my favorite dirty joke. I oh, well, yeah. Um, uh my favorite punchline to a dirty joke is uh, no, thanks. I'll just eat it in the car. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, my favorite. So fair enough. Yours. I, I, Let's I, think hear it. I think I'd have to go with That's how I got the hump. <laughs> See, I, I don't even know what the joke is, but I, I you just laugh. Like yep. I remember I was playing uh punchlines with someone and they said, I said no. Go down on the wharf. So <laughs> you you can kind of create the joke from yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I will say I did write a long-winded thing that Josh kind of hinted at with wheezing while reading mine. My explanation of the last week theme with Bindley, but then he described Andy Kindler with celebrities as. A little dog who lays on his back and pees on himself. <laughs> and, That's about right. Oh, that uh, made that made the week for me. In, in my notes, and this is in reference to my question. I just have the word "whoosh." 
Yeah, I, 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 I went I, way too obscure on that. Yeah. Dan, you you are the master of the obscure reference. I I give it to you. The Kayasera printer might commercial. say I'm the Jan Hinkle of obscure references. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, we learned uh, James Mason's opinions on rock and roll. Oh yeah, that was uh yeah that was a good uh, good highlight. And speaking of, we um let let's go over our, our list. I, I have a suggestion for what we call our weekly segment where we we each share a list of five things. Okay, what's what's the name? A fifth thing. A fifth thing. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, right. and this week we decided on uh, rock and roll documentaries or music documentaries, I suppose. Yeah, I went music docs. Okay. Yeah, I have no rock and roll in here. All right. So uh, I'll, I'll have you start back and forth. Though. Okay. I'm going to go from newest to oldest. And my first one is from 2019, and it's called Keyboard Fantasies. And I right. saw it on on Canopy, I think. And this is about uh, a musician named Glenn, Glenn Beverly or Glenn Hansard. It used to be Beverly Glenn Hansard. He's a, a trans man in his maybe early 70s. Okay. And he had released um, pre-transition a... Uh, couple of folk albums in the late 60s and early 70s uh, in Canada, but he's African-American and grew up in the Carolinas, moved up there. It was He was a musical prodigy, and they did well. Uh, and then he just kind of taught music and was just obscure. And then in the early 80s, he really got into computers for music, and he... Uh, recorded this um, album called Keyboard Fantasies, which um, was like just computer keyboards and him singing over them. And it became a cult classic. Um, and uh, like people in Japan would call call him and offer thousands of dollars for for the vinyl. And, and he made some money off that. And uh, he, he became uh, he this documentaries about a tour he was doing with a, a very young group of 20 something musicians who were really supportive and loved him and it's just kind of a victory lap it's just kind of a celebration of his life and in music but i never knew about him and his singing is so uh unique and, and incredible i yeah i was just really moved by it excellent uh, I'm going to go from uh, most mainstream to least mainstream, and okay. and, and uh, audience know that I'm I'm starting this at an advantage because I I am I am in the shallow pool in this, this category, and 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 Wampus has watched many many more uh, music docs than me, um, but I'll start with the Sparks Brothers because oh, I think it was the first movie I saw back in the theaters uh, and I went in I, I, I very intentionally chose not to know anything about going in it's like I'm not going to be one of those people that pretends I know who these guys are 
I'm going to walk in completely cold. And I left that going, all right, A, this music is not for me. B, these are most inspiring guys I've ever met, and I'm going to go make something. I love, yeah. Yeah, I love that uh, that it was inspirational. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, I never search out their music to listen to, but yeah, their story is incredible. Yeah. You know, they just stuck with it. And yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I love the Sparks Brothers. Okay. My next one is from 2016 and it is presenting Princess Shaw. And this is, I saw this on Netflix. I think it might still be up there. And Princess Shaw is a uh, a New Orleans resident, and she's she lives in poverty. It's pretty apparent, and uh, but uh, she posts a lot of videos on YouTube. She has a YouTube channel, and she sings a cappella on it. And she's just she talks about how she wants to to succeed, and and the story in it is uh, an Israeli musician or computer guy. Uh, samples her one of the songs she sings off a cappella off her video and puts it to instrumentation of other samples and it's incredible and is successful that way and she has toured Israel from that so very nice but the reason I chose it is there is a scene in it where she goes to an open mic in New Orleans and it captures the what a bad open mic is and it felt so real because she comes and she's like you know i've got this stuff to work on and she has this crew and she's like number 30 on the list and they're going late and no one's there and people are talking and she's trying to express herself and oh it's just it's it's perfect it is a perfect scene so that's mine all right uh, my number two is 20 Feet from Stardom, which is yes. the Darlene Love saga. Uh, and I, I just loved the, 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 she's at the lowest of the low and then basically gets the call from Letterman and, um, and, and sees the resurgence that, that she deserved. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, I, I had always been a big, don't don't take this the wrong way. A big Phil Spector fan, <laughs> but I until I watched this, I had no idea uh, just what a, a horrible human being uh, he was. And I'm I'm ready for, for for good talented people to be in charge of things. That would be lovely. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that one, and uh, and it, it that. The subtitle, or the, they could have an alternate title called "Propping Mediocre White Guys Up." So, yes, because they oh, that's really... right, because uh, there's the scene with Skinner, where, yeah, where they're having to Seems talk them into thinking back up on Sweet Home. Just yeah. mm. all right. My all right. third one is from 2010. I was pretty impressed. I I came with ones from this entry. Um, mm-hmm. And this is Thunder Soul, two words. Okay. And yeah, uh, this is about a high school uh, band teacher uh, from Houston. 
who um just, I have heard of this. Yeah, and it, it's just joyful. He just he had the his bands playing jazz and and R and B and soul and just uh, he brought out the best of of everybody and you know he he butted up against you know kind of the high school band establishment you know or like <laughs> you can't play like this but um you know it's it's kind of like keyboard fantasies where it's it's a victory lap it's it's these uh and it's a reunion of like a lot of his old students um you know celebrating him so it's, it's just pure joy love That's it wonderful uh number three i'm going to go with uh leonard cohen at the isle of wight uh, which is barely a documentary. It's more of a found footage um, uh, uh, of his his performance at Isle of Wight in 1970, which uh, was a, a turbulent music festival and could very easily turned into England's Altamont. And uh, Leonard has this this magical way of entrancing a crowd. Uh, and telling them that the, the police are on their way. Uh, you can't fight them. We're not strong enough yet. So let's sing. Whoa. Uh, which uh, was was beautiful. Uh, there's footage of Chris Christopherson uh, running for his life because the crowd is so hostile to him. But we okay. also see you know Leonard's band, including his violin player, Charlie Daniels. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ow. So we have a young Charlie Daniels uh, playing fiddle on Diamonds in the Mine. And it is when 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 Leonard died, uh, of course Charlie was in a good mood because his guy had won the election like two days earlier. Charlie had nothing but nice things to say about Leonard Cohen. So okay. m- music is a uniter, not a divider sometimes. Yeah. But uh and I think there's a, there's another documentary about the Isle of Wight festival out there about the whole thing. I remember seeing a trailer for it once in the theater. That is worth me looking decades into. ago. Because uh, it, it was it, it's a great story. I don't know it though. All right, uh, my next one's from 1985, and it is uh, Louis Bluey. <laughs> Have, do you know Louis Bluey? No, the title made me laugh. So uh, this was Terry Zwigoff's first film. Uh, Terry yeah. Zwigoff, who did Crumb and Ghost World and Bad Santa. And it's a documentary about this old kind of ragtime country blues uh, artist, Howard Louis Bluey Armstrong, who is uh, he's a huge personality. And he uh, he's he's written a, a pornographic masterwork, you know, that they show like <laughs> these drawings that it seems Arkham was very influenced by. Okay, and he, and he plays uh, with his friend Ted Bogan, who's a sweet old guitarist, and Armstrong. He plays mandolin and violin, and uh and uh, and then there's a couple of other blues musicians, and they. My favorite part is Howard Armstrong and Ted Bogan are playing and they're they're in a kitchen and they're tearing it up. And this uh, 85 year old or 
maybe even older uh, uh, blues musician, Yank Rachel. And he is, he's sitting there and eating, eating chicken and listening. And I mean, they are so good. And they stop and uh, Louis Bluey says to Mr. Rachel, he goes, well, what did you think, Mr. Rachel? And uh, Yank Rachel goes, man, I wouldn't let you play in my backyard. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, it's pure joy. It's joyful. And it, it, makes you understand why Terry Zweigoff and R. Crumb just love this kind of music. Um, yeah, it it is a hoot. Very cool. Uh, number four, I'm going to go with Nothing Can Hurt Me, the big star documentary. All right. Because um, I, I love those guys, and it's the opposite of a feel-good uh, yeah. victory lap. Because here's this just transcendent music that that nobody got that just went nowhere yeah and uh at one point i think after even after radio city was released um chris was working at the danvers in germantown tennessee uh and that is the place that my mother always insisted that we stop when we were driving from huntsville to little rock we had to stop at the Danvers in Germantown. So there's a mathematical chance that that uh, Chris Bell was my waiter. Incredible. Yeah. And uh, would you have ordered a, a couple of Cosmos from him? Might have gone with a uh, kangaroo. Well, I don't know. <laughs> a gin and tonic on your piano. Okay. Um, and my last one, number five, is from 1970. And I've probably mentioned it before because Nashville of, is not a documentary. Well, so many it's times one of my, that's 75, I think it's a original cast album company. And it's the recording of uh, the documentary kind of fly on the wall. T.D.A. Pennebaker did about the recording of uh, the Broadway uh, musical company by Stephen Sondheim. Ah, and it's the one that is parodied on documentary now with co-op. Yes, I saw and that. So that parody works very well. And you will, if you watch Company Next, you will understand where the parody is, but you still will not be able to deny what a crazed genius Stephen Sondheim is and the amazing talent of of all these singers in it. It's and and it just shows the grind of of studio work, which, you know, I've only recorded in a studio a couple of times and I hated it. It's just, it's just so tedious, but uh, yeah, I love this. I love it so much. I've emailed to people after I saw it and told them Mm. they had to see it. Yeah. That is wonderful. My fifth, I'm going to go with a charming little documentary called I am unfortunately Randy Newman. Yay. Um, Which just barely talks about Randy Newman. It's mainly his misfit fans. Um, <laughs> basically, this one guy who who goes to Bel Air and walks around to find his house, and then uh, talks about his. Uh, you know this this would have been mid nineties. His his the Yahoo group of fans who have gone so far as to put out two albums uh, and 
some of the tracks are sublime and some of them are, are uh, uh, experimental, I suppose you could say. But it's basically talking about why do people like this guy and what is what is the appeal? Uh, and and I, I, along those lines, my 5D is going to be uh, who is Harry Nelson? Why is everybody talking about him? Because it's very much that same vibe. Yes. Why does this speak to a certain group of weirdo? So that's what I've got. Yeah. And, you know, after I wrote those five, and those are five pretty deep cuts. I mean, Louis Bluey has a Criterion collection and and cast recording is known enough to be parodied, but Mm -hmm. yeah, those are, those are not the most mainstream that I'm going to name a few that I would have big ones that I, I didn't or that I think are greater. Gimme shelter. That is so good. Summer of soul. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a great one. Uh, Beats rhymes in life. The travels of a tribe called quest. Okay. That's uh, so good. Yeah. I think those are, and the filth and the fury about sex pistols. That one's pretty strong. Very nice. So, yeah, the thing is there's a lot of great music documentaries. That's what I, I learned. Yeah. And I'll be checking out a couple of yours for sure. I'll check out a couple of yours. Most definitely. Especially the Cohen with Chris Christopherson running for his life. That sounds like a, a sight to behold. If you can't find it, I have a digital video disc of it. Yeah. Well, um, no Perush this week. So no, no Perush and no questions. Um, yeah. I, 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 I got to say, I, I'm, I'm liking the asking no questions because when they don't come back, it, it hurts. It hurts a lot. And you don't want to. You're a man showing emotion. What hurts more is when questions happen because yeah, yeah, not so hot, not so good, not so good. And there's only one thing that's more awkward uh, than uh, the questions not being so good. What's that? Well, what is? I'll 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 tell you. It's uh, you you know like <laughs> when, when your mom is visiting your auntie and it's time to go. And that you get in the car, and then they chat for the next thirty minutes, and you're like, "When, when, or when is goodbye really going to be goodbye?" Isn't that oh, wait, awkward? Oh shoot! I just saw one thing in my notes. I forgot to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, thing. Of- this yeah. Stuff.